Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode 439. Uh, we've got myself, Kendall, we got Sajid, and we have a very special guest today, Tom uh, Kirkov, who you've probably heard from before. Uh, he's been on the show. He's also really involved in CADA, um, or the Kubernetes Event-Driven Autoscaler project. But in addition, he's also an engineer over on the Azure API management team. Um, and today we're going to talk with him about the self-hosted gateway V2. So Tom, just want to say thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, before we dive in, we're going to cover a couple of Azure updates. So I'm going to pass it over to Sajit to kick us off. Thanks, Kendall. Uh, all right, so we've got three of them today. Uh, the first one is the resizing of the peered virtual networks is now possible. It used to be a pain in the neck if you had peered to virtual networks and you change the size, you had to break the peer, change the size and reattach and whatnot. Uh, now uh, it's uh, this feature is uh, allows you to do it without, you know, just you know, uh, with less of a hassle. Uh, another uh, update on this one is with AKS uh, and the integration between AKS and the API server, uh, which can be routed through your uh, through the VNet that AKS is currently configured in. So, you know, if AKS is attached to a VNet, uh, your API server endpoint, the endpoint that kubectl would talk to typically, uh, can also be kind of connected to that same VNet now, and this makes it a little more uh, easier to 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 secure your API server endpoint. And I believe that is in preview. Uh, and the third one, which uh, what's my favorite um, uh, kind of release uh, news of all, is the public preview of Operation Abort. And what this is, is Operation Abort allows operations in AKS uh, that are done on the cluster or the agent pool to be aborted in the middle. Just say you, you know, issue a command and like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, you can actually, uh, you know, kind of uh, abort that operation now. Uh, now, uh, you know, the, uh, this might leave the cluster in an unusable state, uh, so you have to be you have to kind of use it only as a last resort. But uh, that feature is now available. I do like the name though. Uh, it has uh, Kendall. What do you have? Yeah, so I wanted to cover just a couple of event-related updates. Uh, so one of the things that I've been working on, and I've written a couple of blog posts for it actually, is serverless September. So if you haven't <clears throat> if you haven't been keeping a pulse on this already, essentially. It's a collection of blog posts. So we have blog posts going out every single day of September, um, all related to different Azure technologies um, you know, in the serverless space. And then in addition, there's Ask the Expert sessions. So I know we have one coming up for container apps, but there's also been some for Azure Functions. So definitely recommend checking that out. I'll make sure I drop the link for all of that syndicated uh, in the show notes. And then in addition, if you, uh, you know, if you didn't already have it on your calendar, make sure that you mark Ignite uh, coming on up October 12th to the 14th. So I'm sure we'll reiterate this in uh, in coming episodes, but definitely good to get that on your calendar early because it's a lot of product-centric updates, which I think uh, we love here on the Azure podcast and hopefully all of you do as well. 
So that's what I had. Uh, hey, Tom, why don't you why don't you introduce yourself? You know, just for anybody who may not have heard your your um, previous episodes. So thank you very much for having me. Uh, my name is indeed Tom Kerkhove, um, and I'm a so senior software engineer on API management, most specifically on the self-hosted and uh, the managed gateway in the cloud. And next to that, I also co-maintain uh, Keda indeed. Uh, for which we now also have a AKS add-on in preview, if people are interested. And I, and I believe, Tom, the last time you came on, you actually uh, weren't working for Microsoft yet, right? You, you I think no. that, that has changed since the last time we had you on. Now, yes, yeah. that's correct. <laughs> so, I joined uh, November last year, so that's almost one year coming up. So time flies. It's crazy. <laughs> Thank you. So, so tell us about uh, this uh, this new feature in APM. And just you know, let's just start with uh, just giving everyone uh, kind of an overview of just to remind our, our listeners is what what is APM, what kind of what what uh, use case does it help uh, solve? Yeah. So API Azure API management is a API management solution that allows you to have a central place to expose all your APIs, be it SOAP. Uh, REST uh, or GraphQL uh, and have like this um, company-wide effort to manage these things. We have dev portals that help you versioning, a lot of policies that help you simplify things and really put the log logic on the gateway instead of your code. Um, but all of this was uh, in Azure, which is fine. But in a lot of scenarios, you also want to take that same gateway and run it outside of Azure. Uh, and very common scenarios I see is multi-cloud and hybrid, where maybe you're still running on-prem uh, and you need to uh, expose those APIs on-prem and want to use the same way of governing, uh, exposing them, securing these APIs. Um, the same thing for multi-cloud is uh, maybe you have workloads on different clouds, including Azure, and you want to have like this unified strategy as a company. Uh, you can basically just take that same gateway and run it on GCP and Azure uh, and have that uh, unified way of managing. Because the self-hosted gateway is basically just a Docker container that you can run on any uh, infrastructure. So it can be your dev box, AKS, container apps, uh, or anything, uh, Kubernetes in general even. And that really allows you to uh, use that as a uh, way to deploy it wherever you need it. The only caveat, though, is this is a federated solution, so it needs outbound connection to Azure, uh, which is actually one of its strengths, is uh, you still manage everything through ARM, and basically you can then define a gateway, uh, let's say warehouse, uh, gets to expose API ABC, but not D, and then the other gateway it can expose different APIs so that you have that control uh, depending on where they run uh, uh, in terms of security. Uh, so that's it in a nutshell, basically taking the managed gateway that we have in Azure, but bring it closer to where you need it. Now, you know, in the past uh, when we've had uh, such kind of uh, situations where we want to support on-prem or, uh, you know, another cloud, we've used something like Azure Arc, right, as a, as a control plane uh, to get to it. So uh, explain uh, this to our listeners. How is this related to Azure Arc? Is it, is it part of Azure Arc or is it to be thought of something different? 
Yeah, so you can, so like I mentioned, Sophos, the gateway uh, is a, a container image. It's available on the Microsoft Container Registry. You can just pull it down and run it on your dev box. Um, if you go to the Azure portal, you'll actually see uh, ways to run it. Um, we'll give you uh, guidance on how to deploy it with Docker, deploy it to Kubernetes through YAML, and also deploy it through Kubernetes with Helm. So we have an open source Helm chart actually uh, where we accept contributions and that we also maintain. And then of course there is Azure Arc. Azure Arc is our um, fourth deployment mechanism, let's say, which is available uh, in preview today and basically allows you to say, I have this on-prem cluster here, which is Arc enabled. I can just install uh, the API management extension. Uh, just point us to the API management instance that you want, how you want it to get configured, and we'll deploy it on your cluster for you. So if you want to use our open telemetry metrics with Dapper, et cetera, uh, just tell us and we will make it so. So it's really a, a, a way to simplify the deployment so that you don't have to worry about how uh, it needs to run. Uh, so that's a very good question there, yes. But it is still in preview, so please uh, give it a go. Let us know what you think and uh, yeah, we can make it better. Now, uh, with uh, with the API M, uh, you know, I know there's uh, all these policies that apparently you can set up with API M, and you know, should we be thinking about them completely in parity, irrespective of where you run it, or are there some considerations that say, oh, you know, this is going to be running, uh, you know, in on-prem, so I can't use each and every because I'm sure there are a lot of policies that are closely tied yeah. to Azure. And then this is running in some box somewhere else. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, what are some of the caveats to this? Yeah, so actually we have uh, three types of gateways. So we have the managed gateway, which is the most used one, uh, which is a single tenant dedicated to you. Um, and then we also have consumption SKU, uh, which is pay as you go, uh, also cloud-based. Uh, and then we have self-hosted. So these three thing, these three gateways have some caveats indeed. Uh, not only on uh, policies, but also on certain features, etc., cetera, uh, because uh, they are built differently. Uh, so we have a nice um, documentation page that compares them, uh, which we can add to the show notes. Uh, in terms of policies, um, I think the majority is supported, uh, but because the self-hosted gateway has like a, a separate uh, release cycle, it can be that some of them are not in the new self-hosted gateway or uh, yeah, that you'll have to wait a little bit longer, or it's actually the opposite way. Uh, Self-hosted gateway allows you to uh, use the Dapper policies, but you cannot use the Dapper policies in the cloud. So that's one of the differences, for example. So, uh, Tom, you mentioned something about release cycles, and so, so, some of my brain is just wondering. I know, I believe with, with Azure Arc, you can kind of opt into some kind of like, hey, whenever there's a new updated version of a given, you know, extension or, or whatever, what does that look like when you're running the self-hosted gateway? Like, what's the support model? Is it completely up to the customer from a high availability perspective? Is it up to them to kind of configure that? And then in terms of updates, right, is it just as simple as like, hey, take an updated home chart and how would they even know, you know, new versions are available essentially? Yeah, so that's a very good question, and that's actually a, a good time to talk about the, the self-hosted gateway V2. So we released the V2 and uh, GA this year, uh, which actually um, allows you to have 
less infrastructure requirement. Because when you run the self-hosted gateway, there's criteria your infrastructure needs to meet. For example, needs to have access to Azure storage if you use a certain feature, needs to connect to the configuration API, etc. Uh, so that uh, is reduced in V2. Uh, again, we have documentation on what is required, but it's mainly networking. Um, and because you run it, it's also your responsibility to make sure that it's deployed properly, it's secured properly, it's scaling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, in terms of the version, uh, that's a good uh, uh, point there. So uh, we basically support any version two um, gateway that you're running today. Uh, but in September, uh, we announced the deprecation of V0 and V1. So customers have one year to migrate away, but uh, regardless of the uh, point two, uh, two point X version, you're good to go. Um, we know it's not that straightforward to keep up to date with them. So we started announcing the new uh, um, image uh, versions on GitHub so you can subscribe to releases. Um, and also for the Helm chart. So if you release a new image, we'll also automatically uh, up, uh, release a new version of Helm. And once Arcus GA, uh, same thing there. So if you've enabled auto upgrade of minor versions on Arc, customers will also stay uh, on the latest uh, and greatest. Uh, so good question there. So, uh, you know, running, I know this is just a Docker container, right? I can run it anywhere. That's the uh, the promise. But I know that APIM uh, is a is a complex piece of software, right? And it also is quite CPU intensive, I believe, because it's kind of doing this in-flight uh, inspection of all these packets coming in and whatnot. Um, we surely we have to give the customer some sort of uh, uh, recommendation on what type of what you know what sort of uh, you know host they should be running it in. Uh, you know, what kind of performance numbers we expect. Otherwise, you know, you're saying you run it on a laptop or, or a normal server or something mm -hmm. like that. It may not be enough, right? They're going to shoot themselves in the foot uh, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, is that something that is also published on in the docs? Yeah, so we have production guidance, um, but it is tailored to Kubernetes because we think that's the best way to um, deploy it. And there's a wide range of, of things such as how, how do you schedule the gateway to be highly available? Um, uh, how do you make sure it is configured properly, uh, etc. Also, how can you auto scale it? Um, what we don't do, however, is give recommendations on the required CPU and memory because we've noticed that um, this is very infrastructure specific. Uh, and also workload specific. So our guidance is really uh, do load tests, uh, measure how the gateway is responding to your load and then uh, schedule accordingly. Uh, also, some people might prefer um, to have uh, a lot of instances with lower uh, resource boundaries rather than deploying like a very few amount of instances with very big uh resources assigned so azure load testing is a, a very good uh tool there to basically assess your workloads and then uh, operate them so that also when your production is on the load you already know how to uh, gain insights on that and that's also why we have uh, open telemetry metrics for example uh, to to see the request per second Okay, so something something popped up as I'm thinking about this uh, this architectural configuration, and I'm curious uh, if you have any any thoughts on this. So 
I'm a customer, I'm running self-hosted gateway in my local Kubernetes cluster and something happens and I accidentally block like the outbound port or I, I lose connectivity to Azure for whatever reason. Uh, maybe I lose like, I don't know, maybe the internet goes out on my, in my data center, who knows? But I'm curious, like what, what does happen, right? When it loses connectivity to, um, to the centrally located managed uh, API gateway. Yeah, so we're a federated solution, meaning all the configuration changes uh, are, are basically pulled by the gateway. Uh, however, that does not mean you need to be live all the time. So it's basically keeping uh, things in memory. You can also configure the local backup. So if you lose connectivity for five minutes, an hour, one day, one week, maybe even a month, uh, it will still serve your traffic locally. Your hot path will not be impacted. The only risk that you have is that um, you will not get the latest configuration. So maybe on-prem things are still running, uh, different policies or whatever, which can be acceptable, um, but um, it's it's not going to impact your live traffic there. And also in the Azure portal, you can see how many uh, connected instances there are. Uh, which uh, give you an idea uh, on that. So you won't be impacted, but you'll just miss the latest and greatest. Yeah. So does the same, is it, just uh, just to make sure I understand, all of the changes, are they still made on the central API management and then they're just, yes. they just get sync, uh, synced to the local? There's no like, I just want to change the local implementation. It's all coming from the parent. Like there's no yeah like each child doesn't have its own autonomy to like change no today okay. that's not that's not okay. the case no we we didn't have a lot of requests okay. to do that so it's not that you could um let's say add an api to a given um gateway by adding a kubernetes resource or anything no it's okay. fully managed through arm still so that we have the the same rbuck experience there as well okay makes sense and and you know if I were a developer that's you know wants to try out this uh, this new experience, like you said, you can run the container on my laptop. I have a laptop here. You can run the container now. From a developer experience, I still have to go to the Azure portal to to do the uh, setting up of the policies and the and the rules yes. and whatnot. Uh, and the moment I hit submit, it basically gets pushed back down to my instance yeah. running on the laptop and is active immediately. Is that how we think about it? Yeah, that's correct. And it's available uh, in premium and also dev skew so that uh, if you are in your dev test scenario, you can just use your existing uh, dev skew uh, and you can uh, basically create as many gateway resources as you want. So imagine you have four developers. Uh, if they want, uh, they could have their own gateway um, configuration so that they don't influence each other. However, the gateway resource is also the billing unit. So for every resource that you create, you'll be charged uh, $1,000 a month. Uh, so it, that's how we bill it. It's not that you need a special SKU or anything, uh, but if you run 1 million instances, for example, you'll still be billed uh, that same amount, not per instance. Uh, so at first sight, that can sound very expensive, but in production, if you would need to pay for the amount of instances, that's going to be a ridiculous cost. Uh, and that's why we have this model. Yeah, and, and, and good to hear that because that was one of my pet peeves earlier on about APM. It was just way too expensive even to kick the tires. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so we we made it available in DevSQ so that everybody can uh, give it a try. Um, so yeah. So Tom, this is more uh, this is more from an architecture perspective and like use cases for self-hosted gateways. So I know we talked about you know if you have local clusters running or you know you want to run on a Docker container and host it closer to potentially other callers. Like I I, I understand that conceptually, but I am curious when you have it in this containerized form, do you see customers who are like having it play intermediary between microservices? Like they'll call the API, like they'll call basically the API management gateway locally. It'll flow to another microservice. Like does it play intermediary between like services that are communicating with each other maybe within a cluster or is it really more for client communication that's bound for like a backend service? And then, you know, cut, you know, apps would still communicate similarly like they do today in Kubernetes where it's just, you know, potentially a direct. Yeah. So, so to rephrase your question. Yeah, maybe uh, that wasn't uh, the most eloquent. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, I'll, I'll just put it differently. Okay. The, the question okay. is, do you see people use it uh, as, a, let's call it ingress, meaning external traffic uh, flowing inside of your application versus also from your internal service A to B yeah, yeah. Uh, as, service as service. like the, the central hub, let's say. Uh, and I would say that um, that's a very underrated pattern that before I joined, I used that a lot. So for me, API management is the central place for all API traffic, meaning externally and internally, because you have the same needs for that traffic. Like if you have uh, team A and B using each other's servers, you still want to have that deep coupling. You want to have the policies, the uh, authorization model, et cetera. And I think that's a very uh, good thing to have as well. Uh, because if um, team A gets breached, you can simply revoke their whole subscription, uh, uh, API subscription or whatever, so that basically you just throw them out. And another reason is um, the policies. They're like the gold mine for uh, API builders. You don't have to implement things yourself. And something I had at a customer was we had a lot of load on the production APIs. And we noticed that it was a partner that was doing it. We basically said, hey, if you don't back off, we will make sure you back off. Uh, and surprise, they didn't do it. <laughs> so what we did was we literally applied a rate limit policy. And after uh, a couple of seconds, our whole production system was back up and running because the policy. So if you don't have that for your internal teams as well, uh, you could have big problems there because you couldn't manage the traffic. Um, so I always advise uh, if your external or internal team, always go over API management. So that's also why I created a sample for Azure Container Apps that does exactly that. So it, it deploys a container app with a self-hosted okay. gateway so that container app to container app communication can go uh, over um, the API gateway without going outside of the container environment. Yeah, that's actually really cool. I'll have to take a look at that because I, I certainly can see why that would be valuable. Um, so yeah, thanks for doing that. So uh, you mentioned this is V2 that you're just kind of uh, working on. Like what is it, do you already have plans for something uh, upcoming, like a, like, a, like, a next, uh, like a next version or other features that you're thinking about? Uh, <laughs> 
if you know me, then I, you know, I have a lot of ideas. Uh, but um, my main focus is mainly to uh, make it simpler to deploy the self-hosted gateway. So that's why I also uh, created the sample for container apps to show that maybe um, you want to have a simpler way of deploying it without of uh, Kubernetes, for example. That's why we have a Helm chart so that you don't have to fiddle around with the YAML and also Arc. Um, which is an uh, easy way to deploy outside of Azure because we see a lot of um, growth in terms of customers deploying to AWS, GCP, etc. because of that multi-cloud uh, strategy. So I want to make it simpler for customers so that they don't actually have to know how to configure the gateway, uh, which also makes sure that they have less uh, frustration there. So I would say that that's my uh, current mission uh, at this point in time, yeah. So I'm I'm curious on a couple of things. So one would be I'm a customer. I have an issue with my self-hosted gateway. It's not necessarily supported, but you know it does depend on some of these upstream packages, Helm charts. Do you have Do you have an open source GitHub profile where people can file bugs and issues that they or or you know recommended new features, those kind of things? Yeah. So the Helm chart is open source, which is also the home for the self-hosted gateway. They can file bugs there, but if you have like production problems, Azure support uh, is there and then you end up with me if it's serious enough. Um, but we have that central open source place uh, and we actively um, review the either bugs or feature requests and also acceptable requests. So uh, lately we've had uh, some contributions there uh, that help uh, everybody actually. Uh, so that that's really nice to have people contributing back uh, to it as well. Awesome. This has been great, Tom. Thank you so much for sharing Thank this you. new exciting feature yeah. of APIM. Uh, we're, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's it's got a lot of opportunity. I, I know a lot of my customers, uh, you know, especially I'm in the financial services space, uh, they, you know, they don't necessarily rush to the cloud just yet. And this is something mm -hmm. they would really appreciate having that flexibility, just having the control plane in Azure at the same time, having that uh, connectivity internally uh, with their own data center. So Yeah, that's actually a good point as well, because it's not because you have API management that you have to use the managed gateway. If you're like fully on-prem still, you could already use API management purely with the self-hosted gateway as a stepping stone uh, to go to the cloud, basically. Uh, so that's also uh, possible. Yeah. Well, I think I think before we go, Koda wants to say hello. He just woke oh. up, so hey. yes, he, he <laughs> is excited about the self-hosted gateway. He just told me. He was like, "Wow, V1 was good, but V2, sign me up." <laughs> All right. Well, oh wait, thanks, last Tom. question, oh, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Resources, like I'm assuming you have some documentation, but it sounds like you have some great samples out there. I know you put together a lot of stuff. Is there a good blog post, stuff like that, that you think you can send over to us um, so that people can play around with some of this coolness that you've put together? Yeah, so I'll add some show notes there with all the documentation samples. And I think we also have a blog post coming up that walks through what's new in V2, uh, okay. how you can migrate, and also uh, if you're using V0 or V1, there is an Azure Advisor recommendation uh, to migrate those tenants uh, that also gives you that guidance. So if you don't see the recommendation, you're not, uh, you don't have to worry, uh, you're good to go.
Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you, Tom. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.